Hey guys, Mubarak here. If you're at all interested in crypto trading, investing, and figuring out what are the best altcoins to invest in now, check out altcoinresearch.com. We just launched our new course that goes through the A to Z, regardless of your background or experience. And I know you guys are going to love it. So go check it out. Hey guys, welcome to the In Penny Stock podcast. I'm your host, Mubarak Shah, CPA and founder of In Penny Stock. And on this show, I help people around the world take control of their finances understand the markets you know regardless of your background experience and help you get to a place where you don't have to worry about checking your bank account or ever living paycheck to paycheck again now if you like the show i'd love it if you can click subscribe so that way you get my new episodes automatically downloaded and sent to you as soon as they come out so you can stay fresh on the hottest investment opportunities and education and now finally before we start today's show uh, if you're interested in learning more Please feel free to text the word STOCKS, S-T-O-C-K-S, to the number 44222 from your phone or wherever you are, and you'll automatically be subscribed to our email list where you'll get our free masterclass on how you can get started learning the market and taking control of your finances. All right, let's get into the show. Hey guys, Mubarak here from Penny Stock. Hope you're doing well. In today's live, I'm going to be going over stock trading tips 101 and we're going to be answering some questions from students all right so again as i mentioned every day we're going to be going live here at 8 p.m pacific 11 p.m eastern uh except for tomorrow valentine's day uh, as a newlywed i definitely have to make sure that we're taken care of there so we're going to continue again from saturday uh but again you know what i want for this is for this to be an opportunity for you guys to have access to me here at Penny Stock. All right, so that's why we're going to be doing these lives. I'm going to be trying to do different lessons, one or two lessons a day, as well as answering questions that we've gotten at our social media. So if you want to have, if you have some questions related to stocks, investing, REITs, dividends, swing trading, anything in the stock market, anything related to this personal finance realm, you can reach us at In Penny Stock on Twitter. You can reach out In Penny Stock on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You know, so there's an unlimited ways to kind of reach out to us. And of course, if you want to send an email, you can email me and my support team at admin. That's A-D-M-I-N at inpendingstock.com. All right. So let's get right into it. There's some key things I want to be able to cover today for you guys, uh, especially those guys who are you know, sitting on the fence, not really pulling the trigger yet with their day-to-day trading. And so what we're going to be covering is the type of orders, how to set up your account, and I'm just going to be kind of covering that in this episode. All right, so there's two types of key orders that we're going to be talking about. And these are the orders that you're going to pretty much see when you're trying to buy and sell stocks. And in your platform, so once you set up in your trading platform, even if it's Robinhood, there's two key differentiators of orders, okay? There's market and there's limit. Okay, and I'm going to explain both of them and when to use them. All right, so you first you have your market order. All right, now market orders are utilized whenever you are basically trying to enter or exit the position right away. All right, a market order is basically you're telling the system, you're telling the stock market that I need to get in this trade and just put me in at whatever position is at the market, right, whenever whenever I can enter. So essentially, you know, if the stock is trading at $1.40 and it's going up, it's going down, when you put in your market order, 
It's not going to ask you what specific price you want to buy. It's just going to trigger your buy and find the fastest buyer. I mean, seller that's also doing a market order or someone who has the limit at what the current market rate is going at and try to fulfill your order. So market orders have a little bit of volatility of them, but you want to generally use them when you are selling. Okay, so market orders are best for the sale. And let me explain why. All right, because what happens is when you enter a stock trade, all right, you want to be able to have control when you enter it because before you're in the stock trade, that's when you're able to control the entry. You're able to control your trade. All right, as soon as your money's at risk and you've entered the trade, now you're in the game. Now you don't have much control. You're at the mercy of the volatility of the stock market. Okay, so that's why market orders, you don't want to use them when you're buying. You want to use limit, and I'll go into detail about that. But I do want to talk about when you sell. When you sell, you want to use a market order because it'll allow you to exit your position in the best way possible. And usually when you're looking to sell, you've reached your desired selling point, and now you want to lock in those cash profits. Okay, so that's why that's the point where you're going to end up actually selling. And so that's why the market order is useful. Now, let me go into detail about the limit order. When you do a limit order, it lets you set what exact price that you're looking to either buy or sell the stock in. All right, so if you put it, it's gonna ask you exactly what increment to put in. So like it'll ask, okay, when do you wanna buy it at? Okay, I wanna buy it at $1.40, all right? And so it's only going to fulfill your order at $1.40. So unlike market orders that might fill you in at 142, 143, 145, it'll basically just try to find the quickest buyers and assortment of stocks out there and kind of fill your order as fast as possible. So market orders are all about speed, but limit orders are all about accuracy. And so people ask me, okay, when should I use them? When's kind of differentiation? And for our students at InPenny Stock, we figured out a very simple formula for them to use. Okay, and that's where market orders are you use when you want to sell, and then limit orders you want to use when you're buying. Okay, so when you're putting in the buy order again, as I mentioned earlier, when you, before you actually buy the stock, you have some freedom, you have some availability. Obviously, you want to try to get in on the stock, but you want to control your entry. All right, by then, you should have executed the IPS trading plan, which is this three step plan of planning your trade, sitting in it, and then executing and projecting the profit that you're going to get and hopefully hitting that amount depending on the level two and where the stock price is going. But if you do the limit order when you buy, you get to control the price that you enter. All right, so that's how you want to think about market orders and limit orders. So it's not too complicated. That's how you want to use it. Now, an interesting thing to understand is something known as the stop order okay and stops again can go into either stop market or stop limit usually it's stop limit you're using because essentially what you're doing is you're actually i don't even believe in both classes you can do stop market it's just limit and essentially what you're setting there is basically this happens after you enter the trade all right so after you've already done the trade meaning you're bought in all right so this you do that this you do before, and then finally with the market order is when you sell, all right? 
So stops orders are utilized after you've bought the position and now what you're looking for is safety. You're trying to control your risk. You're trying to mitigate any potential high losses, especially if you're trading on the go, you're not watching the screen all the time, you know, and it's maybe a longer term trade. So you're not going to have your eyes on the exact stock price at all times. And so what you do is you use the stop limit order as kind of your safety net. So what will happen is you execute and place this order. So that's kind of your loss threshold. So what it'll do is it'll only trigger if the stock goes down to this value or whatever value you choose to set. So in this scenario, I'm doing $1.90. What that means is say I bought the stock at $2 and now I have to go on a trip or I'm about to go on a flight. I can't watch the stock and I'm worried that I don't want to lose too much money on it, right? My money's at risk. So what I do is I put a stop loss, usually a maximum of 10% of your position. I wouldn't go any higher than that or lower than that um, because if anything, you want to go lower if you want to protect your risk. But in general, there's the amount that you can put. So that way, God forbid, the stock does end up going to that low of a price. At that point, it'll sell the stock. Okay, because, you know, that way you can protect your risk. So all three of these orders are super important for you to utilize. And these are the best methodologies that we found at in penny stock that work for these types of orders. All right, so finally, you have your, you use the limit order when you're buying, you use the market order when you're selling in order to get out of your position as fast as possible, and then you utilize and set up the stop limit order as a risk protection or a hedge, not necessarily a hedge, I don't want to use that word incorrectly, you use it as a risk safety net for you to where God forbid the stock goes as that low, you can exit out your position take your losses and minimize them as quickly as possible. Okay, so that was the core of what I wanted to discuss today. We also have about three questions from users that we're gonna address now. So Faiza, what's the first one? How do you feel about trading IPOs when they come out? Okay, so great question. How do you trade about feeling, uh, how do you feel about trading IPOs when they come out, okay? so. Just to clarify, an IPO is, is an initial public offering, and you probably have seen this on the news, but basically this happens when a stock is first going public. It's called an initial public offering, and essentially what's happening for new IPOs is that when it's basically that specific stock going public and being listed on the markets for the first time. So for example, the Uber IPO, the Lyft IPO, any company that's just going public and it's just being listed on the public stock markets. That's what's referred to as an IPO. Now, IPOs have their times and they kind of come in ebbs and flows, right? Currently in the markets, what's happening is that pretty much all the popular IPOs have crashed and burned after they've gotten public. So they pretty much, a lot of people have been dip buying or shorting IPOs because they feel that valuations are too high and that the public markets price them lower, you know, through their trading action, which is all pretty much just sell, sell, sell when they go public. Okay. And the reason for that is because with an IPO, there's a section of people that are able to purchase that IPO before it even goes live. Okay. That's known as kind of the friends and family round. And essentially with that, what happens is that the second it goes live, people just want to lock in their profits because once you become an accredited investor, which means you're making at least uh, 250k a year, or sorry, don't mind my handwriting. Or you have assets of at least, I believe, currently it's one million 
It might even be higher, excluding your primary resident. All right, so without your house, are you worth at least a million? That'll put you in the limitation of an accredited investor. And that's pretty much the SEC's way to protect average investors or average people from being manipulated by getting into complex transactions. So IPOs, before they go on the public markets, people are actually able to buy them. You know, the, the management team, the people who are running the company, they're able to sell shares. And it's, uh, this, uh, the IPO is going live at about, let's say, $10, okay? $10 is where it's going to hit the stock market at. What these guys are able to do is usually get it at, say, somewhere like a 20% discount. So they've already bought it at $8. So they already are in money. They're able to profit right off the bat. So the second the stock goes live, if they have the ability to, then they're going to sell their shares right away. And when there's too much of a surplus of selling right off the bat, that causes the stock price to crash. And then people short it and it keeps going down and down. And so what happens is, you know, a lot of the times the shares are held up and they're locked up. So the insiders can't necessarily trade for three to six months or sometimes even up to a year or two years, depending on the provisions set up with the company and the investment bank that's taking them public. But uh, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Of. So I would say currently in 2020, IPOs are not the way to go unless you want to short. What is a foolproof investment strategy for the next 30 years? Okay, so I'm thinking long term. Uh, what is the next best investment strategy for investing 30 years out? So when you're thinking that long, all right, you're in another realm. You're in a good position because you don't have to worry about day trading. You don't have to worry about ordinary income tax rates. So being taxed at a higher income rate, you're able to, first of all, take advantage of capital gains, which is basically any time, at least in the United States, that you hold the stock for more than a year, you're able to get a discounted tax rate when you sell that for profits. So for example, as an ordinary individual, you might be taxed at say 30%, right? But, and if you're doing day trading or if you're buying and selling stocks under one year and not holding for more than 12 months, then you'll be charged at whatever your normal income tax rate is that you would get from your job or your W-2 or whatever. But when you're able to hold it for more than a year, you can be taxed at 15. There's a potential if you're making less than about 60, 70,000 in the United States, where you actually get, you don't get taxed at all for your stock profits. This is for anybody making anywhere from like 60 to half a mil around. And then anyone more than that gets taxed at 20. All right, so you get to, get to take advantage of these long-term capital gains, so lower taxes. But really, the whole game then is you're betting on the American economy, all right, which historically, which Warren Buffett's done with all these long-term investors have done, have proven that the stock market will continue to rise over time. It'll continue to go up, right? We're going to have short-term recessions, short-term depressions, but the stock market will always rebound and end up higher as it has in the last 40, 50, 60 years. So pretty much the game plan for anyone looking to invest out 30 years is to hold stocks for the long term. And what you're pretty much looking for is high dividend yield stocks. So anywhere from a comfortable range, I would say, to avoid high amounts of volatility, I would look to invest and purchase any dividend that provides at least a 36% return, which means that you'll get about 36% of the amount of cash you invested in that stock annually, passively, just automatically through the company. 
All right. And last question. If the stock market were to crash tomorrow, what stocks would you buy? Okay. So that's a good question. So, you know, we've been in the longest bull run of history. You know, everyone doesn't know when the next crash is going to happen. Everyone's kind of being cautious with their cash because they feel like a recession is going to hit, but no one knows really where it's going to come from uh, because most big banks and most big equity firms are showing pretty decent and good profitability and a current healthy economy. Now, what's going on with China? What's going on with the 2020 elections in the United States? What's going on with the coronavirus? All of these might be short-term impacts of, that might cause a stock market crash. But honestly, smart investors think of a stock market crash as a sale. So just like you think of a holiday sale at the market or at clothing stores or whatever, you know what's happening is unless the stock is in an industry that's truly getting crippled and the fundamentals of the company are you know trash, then you should never trade it, if, especially if it's a blue chip stock company. But at a stock market crash, the way successful investors think about it is that they're basically getting a discount. And so they're getting a great deal. So what's happening is people right now are holding on to their cash and waiting for a stock market crash to happen because they know they can pick up a stock at a nice little discount because as we've seen in the past, the American economy pretty much always rebounds. It'll always stay dominant. You know, I don't think that's going to really change in our lifetimes. There's always going to be strength in the U.S. dollar and the markets here. Um, and so that's pretty much what I would do. I would look at the blue, chops, uh, blue chip stocks, such as the Dow 30, I'll invest in Apple, Netflix, Amazon, you know, Alibaba, you know, these types of companies because I feel that they would just be at a discount and that they would come back and come back strong. So in that scenario, the only type of company you should stay away from is whatever industry caused that crash. So if something happens with coronavirus, it might be a crash in the biotech pharmaceuticals. Um, if something happens with the banking sectors, obviously stay away from all the financial services companies. If God forbid something happens with Aramco or you know oil and gas, stay away from all those Exxon, Chevron, all those kind of companies, mobile, um, you know, BP, those types of public companies. But that's how I feel about it. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. I know we went into a lot of detail, uh, but if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at inpennystock.com. And feel free to comment, review, and subscribe. That way you'll get notified immediately when we drop the new podcast. And I'm focusing on dropping a new podcast every day. So on your commute to work, on the gym, whenever you're walking, or even just for a casual briefing on what's going on in the markets, you can definitely get an episode from here at in Penny Stock. And finally, always let me know about what topics you're interested in, either via the review or emailing me, and I'll make sure we deliver the content you're looking for. Thanks for your time.